Blog Talk Radio.
Greetings, this is Abayomi Azikawa, and welcome back to another edition of the Pan-African Journal. The Pan-African Journal is an audio news magazine. It's brought to you here on a weekly basis. Uh, I am your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawa. Today is Sunday, uh, July 17th, uh, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit. I would like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in uh, to another edition of our program. Later on, we'll be bringing you our regular Pan-African Newswire report. We'll have dispatches on the recent passing of African National Congress Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte in the Republic of South Africa. The Ethiopian state-owned media uh, says that the country will overcome whatever challenges it faces during the current period. South Sudan has appealed to the United States to restore aid to the economically distressed state. And the public health status of the continent remains a cause for concern among officials throughout the region. In the second hour, we listen to the eulogy delivered by South African President Cyril Ramaphosa at the funeral of Jesse Duarte. We return to the South African Communist Party 15th National Congress held over the weekend, where the Congress of South African Trade Unions addressed the gatherings. Finally, we look at the underlying circumstances surrounding the crisis in the South Asian state of Sri Lanka. These and other features will be brought to you during the course of our program. Stay tuned. We'll take a musical interlude in the East African state of Kenya. Let's listen in.
back. You're listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal, this special uh, worldwide uh, radio broadcast. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Abayomi Azikawe, and uh, we just heard music uh, from the East African state of Kenya, uh, an album entitled Part Out, and it's a collection of uh, tracks uh, from uh, the 1970s music uh, from Kenya, and uh, right now we want to move into our Pan-African Newswise segment of our program. Our lead story uh, deals uh, with the death of African National Congress Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte, uh, who passed away uh, earlier this morning in the Republic of South Africa. President Cyril Ramaphosa said uh, that ANC officials were set to visit uh, Jesse Duarte this afternoon, uh, but were instead met uh, by the devastating news of her death. The ANC Deputy Secretary General died in the early hours of Sunday morning following an eight-month-long battle with cancer. Ronald Posa delivered the eulogy at the service in Johannesburg, where he echoed sentiments of Duarte's kind nature. The President added that she will be remembered as Mbokodo and relentless in her pursuit of equality. She wanted a united ANC, and she worked very hard to unite the branches of the ANC in all its structures. Uh, She embodied a politics that was never divisive. Her politics were empowering and unifying, uh, said Ramaphosa. Uh, Traffic was brought to a standstill in parts of Johannesburg as the funeral procession made its way from observatory uh, to the West Park Cemetery, where she was laid to rest. Duarte's uh, last mortal remains were met uh, by a SAPS brass band playing a sobering tune of the national anthem. Her coffin, draped in the ANC colors, sat in a simple marquee with two portraits of a smiling Jesse staring back at mourners. It is a send-off some speakers describe as having coming to have come too soon. Duarte, a mother of two, was 68 years old at the time of her passing. Her political career saw her serve under several liberation icons. <clears throat> Ramaphosa called on mourners to carry Duarte's legacy forward. And uh, we'll have um, the actual eulogy uh, delivered uh, by uh, President Sir Ramaphosa later on in our program. And uh, in Ethiopia, despite the series of challenges that is now facing the country, Uh, The Ethiopian Herald and editorial said that Ethiopia will pass the ordeal and continue to shine again as a symbol of freedom and developmental success. Auspicious and optimistic Ethiopians never lose hope and surrender uh, to the temporary challenges that are often posed as traps uh, to their glorious march towards prosperity. Challenges are not new uh, to the people and the country. If we see the modern history of the country. Ethiopians have beaten the various troubles that are apparently difficult to pass. Uh, for instance, when Emperor Menelik II started consolidating the modern state of Ethiopia, he had just to deal with the aftermath of war and conflict waged against the country by external forces. In addition, he also had to face the backbreaking consequences of the massive extermination of 90% of the cattle in the country due to an unprecedented type of cattle disease. This was a very severe strike on the back of the country's economy with a capacity of building nations and fending off foreign enemies. However, the reality that happened on the ground was paradoxically to the contrary. 
The people from all corners of the country joined hands and fought the invading Italian forces and defeated them at the Battle of Adwa. As a result, the victory at Adwa is still remembered as a didactic source of inspiration, both for nations as well as individuals to fight for one's freedom and sovereignty despite being poor or backward. Sovereignty is not to be compromised under any circumstances. And you can read that article in its entirety over the Pan-African Newswire, and you're listening to the Pan-African Newswire segment of the Pan-African Journal and other news. South Sudan has urged the United States government to reconsider its recent decision to cut aid, arguing that the country was making significant progress in the implementation of the peace accord. On Friday, U.S. State Department announced the end of its support to the Reconstituted Joint Mechanisms and Evaluation Commission, uh, the RJMEC, and the body monitoring the ceasefire deal, the CTSAMM, citing what it described as lack of sustained progress on the part of South Sudan's leaders. It is unfortunate the Americans have taken a decision at a time significant progress has been made. Uh, you know, the leadership of the United Command Structure has been formed. We now have the command structure reflecting all the faces of everybody. A timetable has been drawn to graduate these soldiers in the training camps. The constitution-making process is processed and the security-related bills, all these which are being cited as the reasons or other uh, for having made significant progress. That was according to Cabinet Minister Martin Elia Lamoro, said this in a statement that was issued on Friday. The minister said the uh, government has already prepared a roadmap that examined the revitalized peace agreement and presented it to President Kier who would hold talks with other political parties participating in the transitional government of national unity to solicit their views on how to fast-track implementation of the remaining issues in the uh, peace deal. The roadmap uh, was prepared by a committee comprising of the Morrow's Security Affairs Advisors, Tut Daliuk Manim, the Foreign Affairs Minister, Mayik Ayi Dong, and Information Minister Michael McCoy Luth. And uh, finally, uh, in regard uh, to the overall situation uh, on the African continent, only a fraction of Africans have received two COVID vaccine shots compared to those in other parts of the world. And that's according to uh, Ashish Valentine in an article that was published earlier today. <clears throat> Institutional racism greed, and a broken global health system are all working against African nations to ensure that people are dying from COVID in silence, according to a scathing assessment from the co-chair of the African Union's African Vaccine Delivery Alliance, Dr. Ayode Alakija. More than two years into the COVID-19 pandemic, <clears throat> wealthy nations like the U.S. are preparing for yet another vaccination campaign. The Biden administration is examining plans to open up a fourth booster shot to all adults. And the FDA has asked vaccine manufacturers to prepare another set of boosters in the fall for the Omicron variant now dominates uh, new cases in, within the United States. On the African continent, however, only one in every five people have received the initial two shots. In an interview, <clears throat> Alakija uh, said it was time to rebuild the global health architecture and address the systematic inequality. 
And uh, with that, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the Pan-African Newswire segment uh, of uh, the Pan-African Journal. And in concluding uh, this segment of our program, we want to remind our listeners, the Pan-African Newswire is an international electronic press service. It is designed to foster intelligent discussions on the affairs of the African people throughout the continent and the world. The press agency was founded in January of 1998. Uh, Since that time, it has published thousands upon thousands of articles and dispatches in various newspapers, magazines, journals, research reports, and on blogs and websites throughout the world. The Pan-African Newswire represents the only daily international news source on Pan-African and global affairs. And uh, if you'd like to log on to our website uh, so you can stay abreast of some of the most pressing and burning issues of the day, all you need to do is go to the um, our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. That's panafricannews.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to have access to today's uh, Pan-African Journal, worldwide radio broadcast, this special edition of our program, all you need to do is just go uh, to the Pan-African Radio Network, that's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. <clears throat> All of the programs can be shared with other potential listeners. <clears throat> All you need to do is uh, copy and paste the links and put them in the emails and send those emails out to other potential listeners. The links can be uh, shared on blogs and websites as well as through social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program for this week.
welcome back, and uh, you're listening to uh, the Pan-African Journal, worldwide radio broadcast, a special edition of our program on Sunday, uh, July 17, 2022. We're broadcasting live from our studios in downtown Detroit, and uh, that was the voice of D.D. Sharp, and I do love you, and we do love you here at uh, the Pan-African Journal. And right now we want to move into a eulogy uh, delivered uh, earlier today uh, by South African President Cyril Ramaphosa, also the president of the ruling African National Congress, in which uh, Jesse Duarte uh, was uh, the Deputy Secretary General of the African National Congress and was a high-profile figure uh, within uh, South African media, media and among South African people. Uh, she has, of course, uh, left a legacy of uh, efforts on behalf of the African National Congress that spans uh, decades. So we're going to listen to uh, the eulogy delivered earlier today uh, by South African President Cyril Ramaphosa. Thank you. Let's be seated. Program directors, Ambassador Dengo and Minister Samini Zuma, the Duarte, <clears throat> Dengo, and Whitley families, President Khalima Motlante and Megugu Motlante. former premier of Gauteng, Mr. Tokyo Sekhwale, the premier of Gauteng, Dr. David Makura, ministers and deputy ministers, the speaker of the National Assembly, Ma Munosiviwe Mapisa Makula, the Chairperson of the National Council of Provinces, Ubaba Uamos Masondo. The leadership of the African National Congress, as led here by the National Chairperson and the TG, and members of the National Executive Committee. The leadership of the Alliance, as represented by the leaders of the ICCP and COSATU, and leaders of the democratic movement, religious leaders who are here present, and business leaders, and comrades and friends who are here. We are gathered here in sorrow and in disbelief. Although our beloved comrade Jesse has been gravely ill for several months, as many of us know. It is difficult to comprehend that someone with such vitality and energy and spirit has departed from this earth and has been taken away from us. We all feel like she has been taken away from us before we all had an opportunity to say goodbye to her. 
as officials of the African National Congress, we had arranged to see her today at 2 p.m. And we had seen her a few months ago. And when we saw her then, we were encouraged by the progress that we thought she was making in dealing very bravely with her illness. This passing of Comrade Jesse today is a really sad moment for all of us. Earlier, the family, I did shed a tear because I remembered the conversations that she and I used to have particularly about the place where we were born. I was born in Western Native Township, just a street across from where she was born in Nuclear. And we used to reminisce about playing in all those areas. We were separated by a main road. The one area was meant for Africans and the other area was meant for colored. But we were glad that as we grew up and matured politically, joined the Black Consciousness Movement, and then finally the Congress Movement, we were united in our determination to work together to bring an end to the horror of apartheid. I think we should use this moment not so much to mourn Comrade Jesse Duarte, but to celebrate her hugely impactful life, as we have heard. Comrade Jesse was a faithful, dedicated, and fiercely loyal leader of the African National Congress. It is difficult to imagine the ANC without our beloved Deputy Secretary General, and to think that we will never again hear her voice and her humorous laughter carrying down the corridors of Luturi House. For close on to 10 years, she served as the ANC's Deputy Secretary General. For 25 years, she served on the National Executive Committee of the African National Congress. And from the years of her youth to her final days, she served the people of South Africa with distinction, with dedication, with humility, and with passion. And that is why it was a fairly straightforward and easy decision for me as President of the Republic to declare that she should have an official funeral today. And I'm rather pleased, Premier Makura, that the Gauteng government was able to organize this funeral within hours so that we can give her the dignified and decent send-off that we are giving her today. And I also want to thank the family for being cooperative and working with our staff in the presidency as well as at the premier's level to enable this send-off to be as dignified as it is. Comrade Jesse worked alongside great leaders of our struggle. She learned the politics of liberation from leaders such as Umama or Albertina Sisulu, 
and leaders such as Umbei, Beyes Nodie, as well as Madiba. From them, she imbibed the qualities of revolutionary leadership, qualities that she was to demonstrate in every position that she occupied. Somehow, despite <clears throat> the great qualities that she has learned from various revolutionary leaders, she found a way to mix those qualities with her own dynamism, her own inherent, vibrant, and dynamic nature enabled her to bring about a wonderful mix of the qualities she was taught and her natural talent as a leader. As we worked with her, some of us got to realize the truism in the saying that dynamite comes in small packages. Comrade Jesse was the typical and the quintessential dynamite. She was small, she was short, but she was also well packaged as a small revolutionary dynamite. She had qualities that she was able to pass on to others, as we have heard, to students and many other people that she worked with. Throughout her life, Comrade Jesse was a dynamic organizer. She was an organizer of women, and she was also a great feminist. As the Secretary of the Federation of Transvaal Women, FETRO, she was part of building and leading a powerful women's movement that directly challenged the oppression of black women and shook the foundations of the apartheid state. She mobilized women across the country to resist the restrictions imposed upon them by a racist and sexist political system and a patriarchal society. Like the generations that had come before, like the defiant women who burnt their passes in 1913, like the defiant 20,000 women who marched on the Union buildings in 1956, Comrade Jesse was determined that women should occupy their rightful place in the struggle for national liberation. I often derive a great deal of joy when we have visiting heads of state, when we take them to the Union buildings and I show them what Imbogoto really means. There is a representation of the stone that looks like a calabash with another stone on top of it that celebrates and represents the Women's March 20,000 women in 1956. And we have inscribed the slogans and the constitutional principles that underpinned the march of the women in 1956. So in remembering Comrade Jesse, that representation of the Imbogoto at the Union buildings came to mind. We remember her immense contribution to the hearings of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission 
on the experience of women who were detained in apartheid jails. We remember the courage with which she spoke against the abuse of women, not just by the apartheid security forces, but within the ranks of liberation movement and also the abuse of women generally in the country. Even in the democratic era, Comrade Jesse was relentless in advancing the position of women in all areas of public and private life. She confronted the patriarchal attitudes and practices that sought to diminish the role and contribution of women in parliament, in government, and across society as a whole. She did not hesitate to confront inadequate representation of women in the structures of the African National Congress itself. Kome Jesse was also an organizer of workers, as we have heard. Her involvement in the mobilization of domestic workers was part of a lifelong commitment to the struggles of the working class. When the great miners' strike of 1987 took place, she was one amongst many in our community who organized themselves as part of the strike committee that was there to assist the 340,000 mine workers who went on strike for 21 days. As we heard, Comrade Jesse was also an organizer of writers. Her role in the formation of the Congress of South African Writers and her work for Raven Press revealed not only her love for literature, but also her conviction that writing, art, and culture serve as a powerful instrument of empowerment and liberation. Comrade Jesse said last year she was looking forward to writing books during her retirement. It is our ardent wish that the family should find time to publish some of the work that she has produced so that future generations may draw inspiration from the record of a fine activist. Comrade Jesse was an outstanding and gifted organizer of activists. Working closely with Madiba, Alongside Comrade Frini Junwala and Comrade Barbara Masikela in Comrade Mandela's office, she firmly believed that people are their own liberators, as Madiba believed. She was never content to remain closeted in an office, to sit on a stage or to direct the struggle from the comfort of a boardroom. Mama Albertina Sisulu taught her that a good leader should always be among the people, in the community, in the front line, in homes, in the pathways of our rural areas, and in the streets of our towns and townships. Wherever there was suffering, where families were mourning, where students were organizing, you would find Comrade Jesse You'd find her there offering comfort, offering hope, and encouragement. 
Comrade Zeb remarks that whenever Comrade Jesse entered a room where people were mourning, she was able to immediately comfort those in pain with her kind and encouraging words. She was gracious, compassionate, and always kind. She was always there teaching, organizing, and mobilizing. Comrade Jesse never missed a beat. She was on top of every issue. She did lead with distinction, and she always made her voice heard. To whomever she had to speak, whether it was Madiba, whether it was Walter Sisulu, even as she disagreed with positions that had been taken, she would always be speaking out. It was a matter of great distress to her that she felt that the movement to which she had dedicated her life had grown distant from the people they were given the responsibility to serve. She was continuously pained by what she perceived as a move away from the non-racialism principle that had been the foundation on which the African National Congress was built. She felt that we were not laying enough emphasis on promoting and advancing non-racialism in our country. This is a deficiency that we are now called upon to remedy. Drawing on her example, we should as leaders and activists humble ourselves before our people and correct some of those issues that Comrade Jesse was pained by. We are called upon to restore the values of our constitution and our movement. We must take up the concerns and champion the interests of the people of this country, particularly the workers, the poor, and the vulnerable. Above all, we need to work together with the people to improve their lives and to transform our society. As we heard Comrade Makura say, one of the key issues that troubled Comrade Jesse was the socio-economic position and suffering of many of our people. The inequality and the poverty that continues in our country troubled her. Comrades and friends, the Holy Quran says, stand firmly for justice, even if it is against yourselves, against your parents, against your kin, against rich or poor. Jesse Duarte's sense of justice was keen. Her sympathies for the poor, the vulnerable, the destitute, and the marginalized ran deep. She had empathy and was able to walk in other people's shoes and see through their, their eyes. It is this that enabled her to see the suffering of our people and empathize with them. She took up their cause and stood firm on her own principles, even when her stance 
attracted criticism or even personal attack. She was a champion of the oppressed everywhere. She will forever be remembered for the commitment to the cause of people, the people of Palestine, the people of Western Sahara, and indeed championing the cause of ending the boycott or the embargo against the Cuban people. And she will forever be rem remembered for keeping these issues alive in South Africa and in the minds of our people. Comrade Jesse indeed had great courage. She was at the forefront of the fight against the apartheid state at the height of its most cruel and oppressive stage. Who can forget the power of her intervention during the inquest into the death of Ahmed Timur five years ago when she exposed the lies of the security branch telling the world what she and her family had witnessed and endured in their cruel hands. She also had the courage to speak out honestly and directly about the abuses and destructive tendencies she saw within her movement and within democratic governance. At a time like this, our nation needs more people of her courage and consciousness. Our nation calls out for people who are not afraid to confront wrongdoing and to speak hard truths. Our nation calls out for people who will, even in the face of severe resistance, champion the values of honesty, integrity, selflessness, and service to the people of our country. But another wonderful attribute that we will remember Comrade Jesse for is that she was a unifier. She spent many hours and kilometers traveling around the country at great cost to her own health on uniting the movement. She was a great leader and also very good at the administrative leadership of the Secretary General's office. She wanted a united ANC and she worked very hard to unite the branches of the ANC in all its structures, but she was also actively involved where she saw weaknesses in Congress movement entities such as COSATU as well as the party. She embodied a politics that was never neither divisive, mean, nor small. Her politics were empowering and unifying. She understood the immense power of a united people and a united movement as well. There was no difficulty, and indeed there was no challenge that could not be overcome by a people united in purpose and action in Comrade Jesse's views. And so she fought against factionalism and disunity, she stood firm against those who would sow division, who, interested, who were only interested in personal advancement, who pursued narrow interests, and who also neglected the needs of our people. I think we should, in her memory, 
and in following her example, strive even harder for unity. Let us build a united nation and a united movement founded on the principles of our Constitution. And I think all of us will agree that Comrade Jesse, lying here, has run her race. Our nation's thoughts and prayers are with Comrade Jesse's family at this very difficult time. The nation does share in your grief, the Dango family, the Whitley family, we share in your grief and the Duarte family. May you be comforted by the knowledge that the life of this great patriot has inspired many that she worked with and her contribution will never be forgotten. May we all strive to honor her, to honor her life by doing everything within our means, sparing neither strength nor courage to achieve the free and united and equal society for which she so gallantly fought. May her soul rest in eternal peace. Comrade Jesse, we say to you, Hambagahe, Nkonte Wesizwe. Thank you. That was uh, President uh, Cyril Ramaphosa speaking uh, earlier today, uh, eulogizing uh, Jesse Duarte, uh, the Deputy uh, Secretary General of the African National Congress, who passed away earlier this morning. And uh, you're listening to the Pan-African Journal Worldwide Radio Broadcast. And uh, we're here in our studios in downtown Detroit. Today is Sunday, on July 17th. Uh, 2022. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more of our program for uh, this week.
voice of uh, Brenda Holloway and how many times did you mean it? Uh, and we're here uh, every week uh, at the Pan-African Journal. Uh, right now, we want to uh, go back uh, to the 15th National Congress of the South African Communist Party taking place uh, in uh, South Africa. And uh, this is a um, presentation uh, we want to listen to now from the Congress of South African Trade Unions. Let's listen in. Who led not only mine workers' struggle but also the party? Because it is recorded leadership in the work done, factory by factory by Ray Alexandra, to recruit and unionize the fishing, the clothing, the laundry, and many other workers up and down the Western Cape over many years. And whilst we loud this proud history, we must always remember that we cannot afford to rest on our laurels when workers are under siege. So we need to hear from this Congress what role the party sees itself in helping to unionize workers. We want this Congress to help us in understanding how will the party help to conscientize workers in helping to build and unite diverse unions in strong sectors wide within our affiliates, in helping leadership to popularize and mobilize workers to support the campaigns of COSATU and that of our affiliates? And we want to report to this Congress that indeed we are allies. Indeed, the SACP and COSATU are the left axis of our movement. But we must also remember that our organizations are independent, independent member-mandated formations. And therefore, we must also respect each other's organizational processes and mandates. But we need comrades to learn from our painful lessons. Sections are dressed up with ideological clothing, but they have divided our organizations and weakened our movement. So what is the role of the party? We ask. And we're asking because this is a question that the Congress should endeavor to answer. Many have written off the party. They did so with the collapse of the socialist bloc across the world in 1990. Yet the party has survived against difficult odds. We have seen the membership of the party grow. We have seen the party leaders play critical roles in government. Now as the party seeks to grow even further, it needs to reflect on what it is doing to build its organizational capacity. If it wants to attract workers to its ranks, the party needs to be seen to have the ability to implement its revolutionary demands. So therefore, leadership Congress should reflect on what is the correct balance between full-time leaders and leaders deployed to government, and how do those deployees implement decisions of the party in government? Mm -hmm. 
gonna be important. It is gonna be important, comrades, for this Congress to engage upon what is our vision for socialism in South Africa. The YCL was singing his holy city, a hundred years. Socialism Ayiko. So it's gonna be important for this Congress to engage upon what is a clear vision for socialism in South Africa. What will be its South African characteristics? What is its foundation and building blocks? What is our road to building it within our lifetime? We must therefore answer these questions if we are to end the support of workers. Because the socialism is like a mirage. Smane said, in our lifetime, your time comes to an end. In our lifetime, your time comes to an end. Socialism is So every time you get close to it, it goes further away. Abandaba driver, you would know. Mirage, landing on a man. You think there's water there every time you get closer, the land is dry. <laughs> so, let us heed Amika Cabral wise words, comrades, when he said, and I quote, Hide nice, nothing from the masses of our people. Tell no lies. Expose lies wherever they are told. Mask no difficulties, mistakes, failures. Claim no easy victories. Close quote. So the party has been a progressive voice. The party spoke well when they opposed state capture and the lack of transformation in the private sector. But comrades, this is not enough. Workers need to hear the party's voice when nurses and teachers are denied their due wage increase. <laughs> Workers, comrades, did not hear or see the party when government, in which leadership of the party serves, choose to renege upon a side wage agreement and blatantly undermine collective bargaining in the public sector. The silence has been deafening. Comrades, workers need to hear the party when workers are sent home without salaries at SA Express when workers are retrenched at SAE. Workers need to hear the party when municipal workers in Amatole are paid with pick and pay vouchers. Police and correctional service officers need to hear the party when government refuses to increase workers' wages, comrades, and instead offers non-pensionable cash graduates, whilst members of cabinet and parliament pay themselves increases. Workers need to hear the party. Workers need to hear the party when workers are not paid wherever they are and for whomever they work for. Because we cannot condemn the private sector employers for abusing the rights of workers and be silent when government and the alliance does the same to those that are working for them.
we cannot be silent. So workers, they want to hear their Vanguard part. We want to acknowledge that on labor laws that are passed by our parliament, they are presided over by our Minister of Employment and Labor, and they are binding to all of us. So we must lead from the front when it comes to enforcing and respecting the rights of workers. And the Federation will not be silent when it comes to the rights of workers and the laws of the Republic. Leadership of the party. Workers are under siege like never before since the 1994 breakthrough. As we know, unemployment is sitting at 45%. 2.2 million jobs have been lost since 2020. Workers and the working class are drowning in debt. Many key SOEs have collapsed, others are dying. Many municipalities are collapsing. Those who are lucky to still have jobs are drowning in debt. We know the economy is at its deepest recession. Productivity is now disrupted by the collapsing metro rail, the load shedding that we are having. So we are coming to this Congress to say that it is critical for this Congress to be seized with developing practical solutions to these real crises that are devastating to the lives of workers. There are a lot of work that we have done at the level of Netflix, and we want to also say that we have worked very well with different ministers, others coming from the party, the level of netleg to ensure that we have made huge improvements under the difficult situation that we have been faced within the past two and a half years. But there are a number of victories that we have managed to score as the, as the Federation. But we also want the support of the party on the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. And we want to emphasize that this is not a policy, comrade. But it is just an imp it is about implementing existing commitments and immediate interventions to kickstart our economy, in particular to save ESCOM and other key SOEs. We are saying as workers to this Congress of our Vanguard, there can be no re economic recovery without capacitated developmental state. And we want to say our state is in real danger of imploding. Companies are closing because municipalities cannot pay basic services or provide them. Workers are being pickpocketed by the state due to billions that have been lost to corruption. Public service workers and the economy are choking because government is simply running out of the revenue. So we are asking comrades, when our state-owned entities <coughs> are dying as we meet, <coughs> a decade ago, 
These SOEs were world-class institutions that delivered upon their developmental and economic mandate, spared economic growth and supported jobs. Today, they are bleeding. The state, they are bleeding the state, they are retrenching workers, they are suffocating the economy. The party spoke passionately in defense of South African airways. We want to acknowledge that. But what we have not heard was the party speak out in defense of other key state entities, ESCOM, Transnet, and Metro Rail. And we believe, comrades, that these SOEs can and must be safe. So what is the party's view on the appropriate SOE model? Can this Congress help us? Are there best practices from China or Vietnam that we should learn from? Which sectors of the economy should the state be involved in? And in what manner and form? We want this Congress to help us. But we want to say, comrades, that also, if we are to salvage and save our national democratic revolution, then we must cleanse the ANC and rebuild the alliance. We cannot afford to see the ANC further deteriorating. The ANC needs the party and COSATU to help cleanse it of its demons, of its corruption, of its factionalism, and of its, of its hooliganism. The, the ANC needs COSATU and the party. Because, comrades, if we fail to rebuild the ANC, then we are in real danger of losing the 2024 elections. It is not a secret. Comrades, an ANC which fails to secure 51% in the local government elections will struggle to form a coalition with opposition parties. And the Agako Ukulmende Oseben Zelabandu Ukulmende Womkiti Ukulmende where Inglowa Uzanendo Yaki You know, Kaune Party, bring your own EPOP There's nothing because Umbuchalenda Zena, your party so if parties, if the ANC is going to be proud of leading a government of a coalition, it will be those that are in, in government that will be eating and the rest of the masses will still be waiting under the table for the crumbs that will fall on top of the table. Because comrades, in the government of coalition, it is about leaders at the table negotiating about themselves and not about the electorate. So we can't therefore shy away in helping the ANC as Kosato and the party to rebuild itself, rebuild the movement, rebuild the alliance, because we need a decisive victory in 2024 of the African National Congress. Former President Beki 
is correct. When he said there can be no unity with criminals. Comrades, those who have broken the law must go to prison no matter of their status in life. Jails are not meant for the, for the, for the poorest of the poor in this country. The judiciary system is not meant to find guilty the poorest of the poor in this country. Then we think there's justice. Justice system must serve everyone, including sending high-profile politicians who have broken the law to jail because they have stolen from the public press, they have stolen from the poor. Singer mobilizing to defend people who have stolen from the poor. To defend socialism, so we are saying as a federation, the failure of the NPA, the SACP and judiciary to ensure that the most senior criminals amongst us go to jail is exactly why the nation, the movement and workers are in a crisis that we are in. Let's not politicize these processes. You always find a way of saying it's a political conspiracy. When a leader is stealing, he's doing it for his people about close queer. When he is caught or she is caught, it's a political conspiracy. It cannot be. Comrades, Kosato and workers are not wrong to place faith in President Ramaphosa in 2017 and in the ANC in 2019. That is why we think we need to help to restore the ANC to its past. To once again make it a movement that O.R. Tambo and Krisani will be proud of. And to do this we need a vibrant, a united a working class orientated SACP at the forefront. We need a party that provides clarity of vision that Joe Lovo so often did. And allow me, as I conclude, wishing this Congress well on behalf of Kosatu and say that your task delegates is indeed a daunting one. The challenges that are facing the working class are immense. Workers are looking to the party to provide concrete and sober plan of action in defense of the working class and the clear roadmap to building socialism. So this Congress must play its role in restoring the liberation to its historic past and in saving our national democratic revolution and our gains. And we want to wish you a successful 15th National Congress. Amanda, thank you very much, Chair.
13th uh, 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 SA Communist Party uh, National Congress is seeing a lot of familiar faces there as uh, uh, a leadership change is expected over the weekend. You just heard the president of the Congress of South African Trade Unions, Zingisa Losi, uh, throwing uh, some bombs there, uh, saying that the demise of state-owned entities is on the hands of this current leadership. She says an ANC which fails to form 51% at local government elections will struggle uh, to work uh, with other parties and forming coalitions, saying this is not desirable, saying that we need a decisive victory in 2024. She says a decisive victory in 2024 is required for the ANC if the uh, ruling party is to maintain any semblance of influence in the country's uh, trajectory. And she says those who've broken the law, or she got a lot of uh, applause as she was going along, but on this one, you, can, you could hear a bit of disgruntlement in the room when she said those who've broken the law must go to prison because they've stolen from the public purse and they've stolen from the poor to last mercy is on the podium let's take you back there we've heard their cries their concerns what they need from the party but also the important message that there can be no unity in the alliance with criminals we must be very clear about that. Thank you very much, Comrade President of Kosatu, on behalf of the workers. Very refreshing on the issues which you have raised to remind us. Uh, Comrade has agreed we had agreed that after this we're moving to the presentation of the 14th Congress Central Committee political report to this Congress. And we had agreed that we'll be spreading the messages of support throughout the day. At this stage, I'll call none other than the General Secretary, Comrade Blade in demand to come and present a report.
from the 10th province which is the young communist league of south africa chairperson um, i'm not intend we are not intending to delay congress however there is an outstanding matter one i have a clarity when is the young communist league going to do its message of support secondly chair there's an outstanding item in line with the result we did yesterday where the chairperson clearly indicated that uh, the leadership was going to deal with an outstanding matter where we clearly indicated as the Young Communist League that the political report cannot be uh, presented before the message of before the message of support of the African National Congress. Therefore, Chair, we are requesting the leadership to report back on that item because we still need to be engaged on it. Because our understanding is that the highest decision-making body is Congress. Therefore, we are still awaiting for the leadership to present on that item so that we can engage because we still believe that we can proceed with this item of the political report chairperson. Therefore, we are waiting for the recommendation. Then we can engage on it. It must be tested because chair, we do not want to see the party doing things which are not our culture. We are jealous of this party. Therefore, we still maintain that the political report can be presented first. We want the ANC to articulate its message of support, then the political report. Thank you. Uh, there was a hand here. Which province is this? Western Cape. This province. Sorry? Moses Mapita. They are here, comrades. The mic. Bring the mic forward, comrades. Where's the mic which was used by YCS? Thank you, Chairperson. It's Peggy Shandu from Moses Makbida province. In line with what we believe is outstanding, Chairperson, that was not finalized yesterday. And in our bid also to save Congress going forward, Chairperson, we dealt with issues of minutes which were not reflected in the program. We want to believe that even if there are challenges related to minutes, but they must be located within the program and been spoken to so that in future we do not allow a situation where the Congress will sit and not receive all the documents as demanded by the Constitution. It is our view that minutes form part of those documents which must be tabled. To that end, we strongly submit that we must not move forward before we clarify the issue of minutes of the previous Congress. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Western Cape. Thank you very much, Chair. I think the first thing was to agree that the YCL has to speak before the general section. 
But the second thing, in light or in line with the spirit of our argument on yesterday about what form of management will be done in the program, we deserve an update as to how far that process has gone. I don't want to, I do think that the latter speaker in relation to minutes, they might not be read, but I think we must get that explanation as to where are they. Thank you, comrades. Uh, comrades. Sorry, Chair. I, I think the issue of Mike Chair, I think it's going to disrupt us. We do need Mike along the, as, as usual, Chair, so that it can help us and minimize time. Thank you. Thank you, comrades. Comrades, uh, the issue of what you raised yesterday, the answer is going to be coming. Wait, comrades, wait. You will be able to get a report. But what you must not do, comrades, what you must not do, there's nothing, not even a single Congress, where messages of support come after the political report. You can go to history of all our organizations. There's nothing like that which you're talking about is a tradition. It has happened, I mean before, what has happened is whether you go to the ANC, you go to COSATU, to the party previous conferences, the political report is always the first thing to be, to, be, to be presented. Then all other issues follow. So to say there's a particular tradition, that's incorrect, comrades. Secondly, second, it's like that, comrades. Secondly, comrades, if you want to propose as you are proposing, say you are proposing that, don't say it's a tradition. A tradition is in the rally that all speakers speak, then the main, the main report or the main message comes from the main organization. That's what happens. That's the tradition which happens, not in Congresses. You can go and look at your documents in terms of how messages of support are spread over a, a period of the Congress. Uh, comrades, when I started this, I said, we will listen to COSATU. After that, we go to the Secretariat report. That's what I said. And I said, is there any objection? There was none. If comrades came late, they cannot take us back. No, no, comrades, put your hand down. If comrades came late, they are not going to take us back. I'm very resolute on that. And I want to move. So if you still want to argue this, the comrade YCL is going to have his time as we spread these messages of support. So if you are raising this issue, comrades, we are not going to debate it. I'll call you out of order, but let me give you an opportunity at the YCL there. Then there's a comrade at the back. Uh, 
So thank you chair. Chair we we are going to be seeming chair as if we are going back and forth. Because we take one decision, we have one understanding. And the leadership correctly probably feels that we should take a different approach on that particular matter. But what the leadership does not do is to come back and be one with Congress about that it has now changed its approach. That's what, that's what the problem happens. Because yesterday, Chair, there was an agreement that the program coordinating committee was going to go and sit and discuss on how the program was going to be managed and come back to Congress and give an indication on how that process was going to do. That chair did not happen. What happened is that chair, you opened uh, today's session and you said, we are going to spread messages of support, um, we have managed Congress, and you only said COSAT was going to come. That the second issue of the Secretary's report, we are mentioning it now. It's a pity we are not in Parliament or in Council where we can go to the Hansard. <laughs> but if, uh, if, uh, if, uh, if we were, Chair, we were going to go and uh, listen to that recording. You said Kosati will come and did not speak about the political report. I think for me, Chair, that's the first issue. So if there's going to be a change on decisions that will have been taken and leadership is providing a new leader, uh, direction, that must be presented before Congress. Because Congress itself is a structure. I think we must appreciate that the Central Committee, which is a structure, special national Congress is above CC, and the, and the national Congress is above the special national Congress in CC. So these are structures of the Communist Party, and they must all, all be given space to take their decisions. The second issue, Chair, that we also want to emphasize on, whilst we can debate whether it's a norm or it's a tradition or not, but our main issue is that wittingly or unwittingly, we may begin to endorse what practically we have been seeing, that the Communist Party in relationship to the ANC is placed more or less in the same standard to leagues of the African National Congress. But comrades, can we, can we make sure that we don't go back to that? We talked about it yesterday. It's a fundamental we, issue no, no, for us, Chair. We, we're not, we're we not leave reopening. this thing on a day-to-day -day basis. Comrade, finish your debate and then we can't go back to the discussion we had yesterday. Okay, Chair, the, it's fine. The debate, Chair, that we, we are proposing concretely in Congress, that messages of solidarity with our alliance partners here in the country that we are struggling with here in the country, as opposed to fraternal organizations of other communist parties, must come before the main message of the party, which will be presented by the General Secretary as a report of the work, of the political and ideological work of the party over the past five years. That's what we are saying, because these are our alliance partners that are pursuing the same NDR with here in the country. They are reflection of the work of the party that it has been doing over the past five years. Must 
come before the key and main message of the party, which must set the tone for this Congress. That's our concrete proposal. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you, Comrade. Comrade, can I tell you, you are out of order. Because, wait, when I started this session, I said, we are going to be flexible, we are going to spread the messages of support. We will start with COSATU and then go to the Secretariat report. It's on record I said that. And I even asked if there are any objections, there was none. That's why I'm saying you are out of order, comrade. Let's hear there was another comrade here. That was Western Cape. Uh, thanks, Chair. Chairperson, my name is Mnedisi. My surname is Nopal. Uh, thank, Chair, maybe you don't, uh, you don't seem to appreciate what the Congress is saying to you as the Chair of the session. There was a decision made yesterday, <coughs> sorry, yesterday, which we were part of. The expectation, Chair, is that the leadership was going to brief us what that management process is, and then we take a way forward. But um, that's what you all we expect as a Congress here, Chair, from the leadership. In fact, as part of the rules, is that the steering committee, when there are some disputes, will make a recommendation to Congress as a way forward. So that decision was taken in line with that, Chair. That's what we are expecting here, Chair, uh, from today in relation to that, because the, the input by the General Secretary, before he speaks, that matter must be resolved because he speaks to whether the General Secretary will speak now or after the ANC. Thanks, Chair. Western Cape. Okay. There's a comrade behind you. I think it's a free state. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, my name is Sizam Dono from the free state. Uh, comrades would like to appeal to the Congress to accept the advance made by the Central Committee. We've, we are correct, we have sharply raised our displeasure with the way that the, 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 the program has been constructed. So as we accept the, 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 the presentation made by the Central Committee, we are not saying, we are not saying they are correct or they are wrong. We are not saying this is a tradition or not a tradition. What you are trying to do is to, is to accept, is to accept ourselves as the party in the relationship that we have in the alliance. That the alliance need not to see us as the party, as the baby of the alliance. We are not, we are all equal partners in the alliance. But here, dear comrades, we appeal that let's accept and then move forward. Thank you. Uh, comrades, I do not want to open this again. 
I do not want, I want to rule and we move forward. If the steering committee is ready with that answer, they can come, but will depend on the steering committee. But we cannot continue to debate this matter. I want to rule now. Uh, I am ruling, no comrades, no, I am ruling now that we are not going to continue debating who comes first and so on. And we're very clear at the beginning, but I think you are correct by saying you are expecting a response from us. There you are correct. I wonder if the steering committee is ready with... Okay, so what we're going to do, comrades, wait. What I am, what I'm ruling again, let's continue with the report. We will get, we will get the report when the steering committee is ready. Uh -uh, you don't need to howl here. You don't need to howl, it's there in the rules. That's a ruling which I'm giving now. Do you want to challenge that ruling? Okay, YCL. Order. Order. Wait, wait, let's see. Let's keep him. YCL, what do you want to say? Oh, point of order, yes. Chief, 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 please. Okay, let, let me take the point of order from uh, at the back. Challenging the ruling. Yeah. Comrades, Papa, please. Please, Papa. We don't want to be your equal, please. Don't behave the way we were supposed to. The order is mine. Yeah, my apology. Sanchez, we are not challenging the ruling as the YCS. We entirely agree with your ruling. But, however, we, we are pleading with the leadership. You spoke about the culture, the tradition, and uh, as the YCL was saying, we are pleading that the Young Communist League speak before the party, before our parents. We don't want to have other views after our parents spoke. At least as the kids. Let's speak so that our parents listen, and when the parents now come to the stage, they will say to the kids, I hate you, and this is our view as Thank a you, parent. Chair. So Thank that you. is what we are pleading for. Thank you, Chair. There was a point of order there. There was a hand there at the back. Yes, the one who's waving the hand. Delegates have to stand on top of tables just to request to speak because I've been sitting down, not me standing. They are the only ones who are sitting because they are on top of tables. It's organizing anarchy unnecessary. What we want to suggest, Chair, formally, is that YCL 
must speak, but we must also be consistent. If we accepted Kosatu to speak before YCL, then we have no ground to stand and claim inconsistency on alliance speaking. Because if we agree that there's an established protocol like we explained, explaining, YCL should have spoken before Kosatu. We allowed that. And we adopted an agenda. The adopted agenda was not changed on when the political report will be presented. The only matter that is pending is the report back by the steering committee and the national officials as to whether the ANC president will speak after the political report or before. It does not mean the report must come to Congress when it's positive. The report must be given to Congress without allowing Congress to be asking why are we not answered. So the issue must be, as YCL is speaking, the national or the steering committee must then be convened separately and deal with that matter. Once YCL finishes, there will be an answer from the steering committee, and then the general secretary must not be hindered from presenting a political report because it might have problems on scheduled of times. As YCL speaks now, aside, steering committee must then sit and give Congress feedback. But what we must never do is to reject a chairperson's or summaries by the leadership. We must not reject that because we are bringing a wrong president in Congress where someone chairing concludes and says way forward, all of us are ready to reject that. It's unorganizational on running Congresses. If it was not done in a province, so people from a province must not do it here. Thank you. Those who are going to speak, and I'm not inviting all of you to speak, those who are going to speak, the issue of the YCL speaking before the General Secretary is closed. The issue which we must talk about, the report which you are expecting, when the steering committee is ready, they will table that report. Let's hear a case at end followed by is that is that counted you want to you want to come again western cape thank you thank you thank you uh, 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 chair uh, firstly uh, we are most Mapita province and uh, we must, uh, Chair, firstly uh, appreciate that now you have resolved on the issue of the YCL speaking. And we want to support that uh, YCL speaking 
before the general secretary speaks and according to our own understanding uh, chair that was the only remaining matter on your ruling that was the only remaining matter on your ruling chair that uh, the YCL was not disputing anything else except on your ruling except that the YCL must come first before the general secretary and that matter we think that it has been resolved and therefore your ruling stands chair we think from now on chair from this point we don't think that you must continue entertain this debate comrade to some of us it's painful to some of us it's painful comrade because we think that we are, we are attending the Congress of the South African Communist Party. And if you are in a Congress of the South African Communist Party, what we need to be entertaining in a program is that dialectically, because that's how we need to debate issues as a South African Communist Party, that dialectically, what material change does it make if the General Secretary is presenting the report of the party which is not responding to anyone else giving the report of the party to us as a Congress and therefore Chair we think that from now your ruling must stand because that was the only issue and we have resolved it thank you very much Chair sorry, sorry, sorry Chief what are you supporting? <laughs> Chair you said, you said Chair the, the YCL, the YCL, that matter now that the YCL must speak is resolved. That's the first thing that we are supporting, Chair. Secondly, Chair, we are supporting that nothing must hinder the General Secretary of the party from giving the report to the Congress. And after the YCL, we want the General Secretary to come and give the reports, Congress Chair. Thank you very much. Then the, when the steering committee is ready, you can report any time because we don't think that has anything uh, to do with the report of the General Secretary. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Uh, there was... How did... Thank you very much, Congress uh, Chair. We, we want to uh, talk on two issues. The first one is that um, the appeal by the Free State, which reaffirms the ruling that you have made, should stand. That is the first point we want to raise. The second point, Chair, is that um, it's on a procedural matter of how we're conducting the Congress. One chair is that once we have had democratic discussions, we must allow the center to hold. Because if we are going to split our democracy from its center, we are going to have anarchy. So, Chair, related to that is Congress is not run in a laboratory where all factors are held constant. In a Congress, the leadership that is presiding over the Congress 
will from time to time make decisions and adjustments depending on a number of factors. And I think if as Congress we strip the leadership of its mandate to run, guide, make tactical decisions to run the Congress, I think we are making a very big mistake. We want to appeal to Congress that we should afford the leadership in line with democratic centralism, the opportunity to guide Congress whilst not taking away the role of delegates. In that context, Chair, we also want to say, in line with what Comrade Matot has said, which is correct, we can't have our summaries and decisions paraded after they have been made. Once decisions and summaries are made, we believe they have taken every view into account and they should stand. Because treating summaries and decisions or directives with contempt undermine our democratic centralism. We want to appeal, Chair, we are in a Congress of a vanguard party, not of a mass organization. And we therefore want to plead that what Free State said and what you said be sustained and that the table should be decisive in defending our character as the party. Thank you very much. Uh, comrade uh, Western Cape, you are the last. Was your hand up? No, Free State, you've spoken. Yeah, uh, thanks very much. Uh, There is something called intellectual humility, the capacity to admit and appreciate when you have errored. And, and such is very important for us as, to us as leadership. Let's accept leadership errors and allow Kosatu to speak before the YCL. You often get annoyed and irritated when in the ANC the party Kosatu speak after the youth league or the women's league. Now here in the party we let Kosatu speak. So we errored there and the, and the program is clear, the YCL. Therefore, the YCL should speak just before the general secretary. Because the issues they raise, they may be conversing and the GS may respond to them. The chair of the YCL was correct that they may say things which may contradict the general secretary or the political report. That's the first thing. The second thing relates to the issue of the ANC speaking tomorrow. We want to appeal to Congress, agreeing with other provinces such as Free State, to say one. The program was developed in such a manner and leadership era. Congress was given space to air their views on the matter. And uh, we expressed our displeasure about it. And therefore, let the President of the ANC speak as scheduled. And do what happened in one Congress should the President say anything contra which perhaps are uncomfortable, the leadership come and respond immediately. That will help. So for sake of progress, 
Let's focus on pertinent issues and even his input is quite important and it must be engaged and leadership will need to prepare as he presents his message. On those basis, let's move to allow the YCS, the GS comes, the president come tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you, comrades. Uh, comrades, what is very clear, you are not one on this issue of the YCL. And I don't want, no, there are those who are saying they must speak after. There are those who are saying they must speak. Wait, comrades. Wait. Turn out. Now, I'm going to rescind my decision and immediately call the YCL to come and speak. Long live, 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 long live,
long live. Long live Kosatu, long live. Long live the SACP, long live. Mantra. Thanks, Chair of the Session. Deputy National Chair, Comrade Tulas, the General Sec of our party, Comrade Blade, Lerita Ming, Koshipas, the National Office Bearers of the party, the entire Central Committee. Our national chairperson of the YCL, the NOPs, the entire national committee of the YCL, president of COSATU, the entire CEC, president, the affiliates of COSATU that are with us, the leadership of the ANC, president. Uh, I'm not sure if Comrade Kwete uh, today, because yesterday it was said that today will be the national chair, so already that today has arrived, uh, it will not be the CC. The national uh, chair of the ANC and the entire NEC members uh, present. I saw the president of SASCO, I'm not sure if today is here the convener of the ANC Youth League and YTT. At least we are happy that uh, you managed to accept uh, this invite because you have always absconded uh, invites of your own sister organization. But at least we appreciate that you are here. The international guests present most importantly, the esteemed delegates uh, to this 15th National Congress of the party. And indeed, we are humbled today to be here, Comrade Chair, to this watershed moment. And we say it's a watershed moment because five years ago we were here. And while we're here, the then Deputy President of the ANC, while he was addressing us, he begged this Congress to pause. And today we're happy we're back at the same venue, which means it's easy to can now press a play. Why, here, comrades? to analyze not only ourselves, but most importantly to remember that as a Vanguard party, we are therefore at last. And indeed, it is very much important from time to time to analyze the state of the working class, to analyze the state of our national democratic revolution. And as historically correctly captured, that if undeterred, the NDR shall be a direct route to socialism. 
So it means once it can be delayed or detected already, the road to socialism is delayed. What becomes most important, comrades, is for us to use this opportunity in understanding that this Congress must be able to rejuvenate hope for the hopeless masses of our people. This Congress must set a tone even for the Congress that is coming in September of the advanced detachment of the working class. Because as a vanguard we need to give direction and surely the advanced detachment of the working class will then find it easy to follow. But surely when then the Federation asks critical questions about the party, it means we need to use this Congress as the party to reflect where are we in relation to those that we represent as a class. And surely the party in this 101 years, it has been at the center of advancing key struggles for the liberation of this country. It has been in the forefront. It is coming out of the 15th uh, National Congress of the South African Communist Party, of course, that addressed by Dr. Bladen Zamande held back for a bit. We'll take you back as soon as it happens. Welcome back. And uh, that was um, the uh, 15th National Congress of the South African Communist Party. It uh, was held this weekend. And uh, we heard uh, the president of the Congress of South African Trade Unions, one of the alliances in the tripartite alliance, along with the ANC and the SACP. And we also heard uh, the chairperson of the Young Communist League of South Africa. And uh, right now we want to move into a discussion on the situation in Sri Lanka and South Asia. Uh, let's listen in. Like I told you, our main focus today is Sri Lanka, and violent protests are taking place as we speak outside the presidential residence in Colombo, what many are calling as one of the largest anti-government marches in the crisis-hit island nation this year. The public anger, which was swelling over, the, over time due to the rising prices of essentials and the lack of strong political figures to drive the cash-starved country out of the crisis. Protesters holding Sri Lankan flags broke into the presidential residence. Sri Lankan police fired tear gas at protesters in Colombo to control thousands of people who were gathered outside the residence. Now, thousands of demonstrators parked in buses, trains and trucks from across the South Asian nation entered Colombo to express outrage over the government's failure to protect them from economic ruin. Pictures and videos all over the social media is being circulated where hundreds of protesters can be seen inside the residence, parked into rooms and corridors shouting slogans against Rajapaksa. In the videos also, the protesters can be seen lying on the bed and swimming in the presidential swimming pool. Sources confirmed that President Gotabaya Japaksa was removed from the official premises on Friday for his safety ahead of the planned rally over the weekend. Footage circulating on social media also claims that luggage belonging to the president was hurriedly packed into a Sri Lankan Navy ship at the Colombo port. Sri Lanka's Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe summoned an urgent 
urgent cabinet meeting to discuss a swift resolution to a potential power vacuum after President Gotabaya Rajapaksa fled his official residence. Prime Minister Office claims that President Rajapaksa told Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe that he will respect any decision taken at party's leaders' uh, meeting. Wickremesinghe, who is next in line of succession if Rajapaksa resigns, invited political party leaders to join the meeting and also asked for Parliament to be convened urgently to discuss the crisis. His office says in a statement, now at least 21 people, including police personnel, have been injured in the clash between the police and the protesters, and some were hospitalized following the ongoing protest. Again, this is um, the latest development from Sri Lanka. The protests have taken a violent twist as we speak because protesters and demonstrators have stormed the presidential secretariat office and the president is reportedly fled the palace. Many are calling one of the many are calling this protest one of the largest anti-government marches in the crisis-hit island nation this year. The public anger, which was swelling over time due to the rising prices of essentials and the lack of strong political figure to drive the cash-starved country out of the crisis, protesters holding Sri Lankan flags broke into the presidential residence. Sri Lankan police fired tear gas into the air to disperse the protesters and also control the thousands of people who had gathered outside the residence. We do not know the whereabouts of the president, but we are made aware that he did speak to the Prime Minister, Wickremesinghe, and told him that he will respect any decision that will be taken during the party's meeting, which will be held shortly. Now thousands of demonstrators parked in buses, trains and trucks across the South Asian nation entered Colombo to express outrage over the government's failure to protect them from economic ruin. Pictures and videos have been circulating on social media for the better part of today where hundreds of protesters can be seen inside the residence parked into rooms and corridors shouting slogans against President Rajapaksa. Also in the videos, protesters can be seen lying on the bed. We're also told that they raided the kitchen and took a dip in the presidential palace's swimming pool. These are the images and the footage from the inside the presidential uh, palace, as you can see, this is the bedroom where protesters confiscated everything that was in the drawers, in the cupboards. And again, this is the swimming pool. Like I mentioned before, they took a dip in the presidential palace's swimming pool in complete disregard of the security officers who are one floor above them, as you can see from the video on your screen. The president fled the presidential palace once 
the protesters had gained momentum and had gained or had increased in numbers. Anger has been growing over the economic turmoil in the country and this anger has now boiled over. Sources confirmed that President Gotabaya Rajapaksa was removed from the official premises on Friday for his safety ahead of the planned rally over the weekend. Footage circulated on social media claims that luggage belonging to the president was hurriedly packed into a Sri Lankan Navy ship at the Colombo port. Sri Lanka's Prime Minister Ranil Wickremesinghe has summoned an urgent cabinet meeting to discuss a swift resolution to a potential power vacuum after President Gotabaya Rajapaksa fled his official residence. We are being told that Prime Minister or the Prime Minister's office claims that President Rajapaksa called and told the Prime Minister that he will respect any decision taken at the party leaders meeting which will be held shortly. Wickham Masinge, who is next in line of succession if Rajapaksa resigns, invited political party leaders to join the meeting and also asked for Parliament to be convened urgently to discuss the crisis which has been going on for months now. At least 21 people, including police personnel, have been injured in this latest protest. We have our correspondent, Dasunia Tauda, who is on ground zero, and this is what uh, she sent us earlier. The public anger in Sri Lanka has boiled over, as you can see on your screens right now. This is and that uh, gives you uh, some background in regard to what happened last week in Colombo, uh, Sri Lanka, and South Asia uh, due to the economic uh, distress inside the country, rising fuel prices, prices of food, uh, which has impacted the entire capitalist world, acutely impacting Sri Lanka. Now there's a question of whether or not the International Monetary Fund will step in to try to um, impose some type of structural adjustment program and what the impact that will have on the movement uh, in Sri Lanka. Uh, we're going to play excerpts from a debate which took place over the print uh, just uh, four days ago. Uh, let's listen in. I'm with M.A. Sumantiran, MP from uh, Jaffna District, very much part of the Tamil National Alliance in Sri Lanka, and Bhavani Fonseca, human rights lawyer and top political analyst. Both of you are in Colombo. I'm in New Delhi. Uh, thank you both for uh, joining me on the print. 
Thanks, Jyoti. Well, never a dull day, Mr. Sumantiran in Sri Lanka. Your president, uh, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, I don't know if he's still president, but anyway, Mr. Rajapaksa has fled the country. He's landed in Male. That's the latest report. Although um, uh, reports from the Maldives are saying that we don't know whether this is his final destination and he could be leaving and going to some other undisclosed country, uh, be that as it may. But the Sri, Sri Lanka Air Force uh, has confirmed that Mr. Uh, Gotabaya Rajapaksa has fled. In fact, there's a picture of him that uh, AP has tweeted, Associated Press, of him and his wife, and, you know, he's sort of waving. He seems quite happy to leave under these circumstances. Your first comment. Yeah, he must be quite relieved to uh, uh, get out of the country. Um, I don't know how much more he can run like this. Uh, but, yeah, he was uh, trying to leave uh, uh, for a couple of days, and I think um, uh, earlier this morning he managed to uh, get out of the country. Uh, so I'm sure he he's uh, he, he's uh, uh, relieved uh, uh, now that he's uh, away from it all. The question, Miss Fonseca, is whether the people of Sri Lanka are relieved, and whether you think that he should have been right here to face uh, the law, and uh, what happens now. So, Jyoti, he still remains the president till he resigns. That letter has yet to reach the speaker as of today morning. So I, I don't know how things will move um, in the rest of the day, but then things are very fluid. So we need to remember he remains the executive president. And there's been very much mixed reactions about a potential departure. There's a lot of debate even yesterday when he attempted to leave the country. Uh, there were some who said they, he has to remain in Sri Lanka to face a reckoning for not just the present crisis, but also his role in uh, allegations of serious violations during the war. Whereas the others were saying that he should leave because Sri Lanka needs to move forward in terms of rebuilding and recovery, and him being around is not going to help. So a lot of mixed reaction, but there is definite anger towards Gota Rajapaksa and the family, and that cannot be ignored. Uh, right. Mr. Sumandar, can I ask you, you're a respected uh, Tamil MP, not just, uh, you know, from Jaffna district, but of course you've been in political life for several years now. What happens now? Like Bhavani said, he remains the president. For how much longer? What happens? Give us a, give us a sense of next steps ahead. Well, he had uh, told the Speaker of Parliament twice uh, that he would resign uh, uh, today. He had told the Prime Minister uh, that he would resign today. Uh, these were told to us uh, by both of them uh, at a party uh, leaders meeting in, in Parliament two days ago. Uh, I did raise the question uh, as to what would happen if he did not keep his word. Right. Uh, there was no answer forthcoming uh, from, uh, from either of them. Uh, but uh, the Speaker seemed uh, 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 fairly confident uh, that uh, the president would resign today. Now, uh, since he left early hours in the morning, I, my own feeling is that he wanted to remain president while he traveled mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, uh, reasons such as uh, head of state immunity, uh, etc. He might right. have wanted that cover 
uh, Wiley got to some safe place that he felt uh, secure in. Right. Uh, so the delay in this letter uh, being uh, brought out uh, may be due to that. But then if uh, Maldives is uh, uh, not the final destination, uh, I'm not sure whether we have to wait for a few more days uh, until he feels secure uh, to, to send that letter and uh, actually relinquish the post. So even if he resigns, you know, assuming that he re resigns today, tomorrow, day after, what happens then? If he resigns immediately by operation of law, the prime minister becomes the acting president. Okay. The prime minister must uh, then appoint another person who is already in the cabinet uh, as the acting prime minister. Mm -hmm. Now, anticipation of his resignation today, the party leaders met two days ago, and uh, we have fixed certain dates uh, to comply with the law uh, when a president uh, resigns. Mm -hmm. And that is, parliament must meet, and the announcement of, of president's resignation must be announced. So 15th of July, Friday, has been nominated as that date. Okay. Uh, thereafter, uh, the parliament must meet again and receive nominations for uh, the post of president for the balance uh, period of this term. Uh, 18th has been nominated as that date. And then 20th has been nominated as the date on which parliament will sit and vote uh, the new president in. So all those steps have been taken. Hmm. Uh, so therefore, uh, the moment uh, uh, the speaker has the president's letter in his hands, he will announce it to the country. And then uh, we will uh, go into this particular process. Uh, so uh, it will take a, a, a week uh, basically, right. uh, to conclude this uh, process. So basically, Bhavani, if this, you know, the country is waiting and watching while these um, steps of, of due process of law are being undertaken over the next one week. Is that correct? Yes, people are waiting, but I don't know how long they're going to wait patiently because there is real anger in terms of the crisis. Right. And the protests we've been seeing over the months, it, this is not something that started a few days ago. The protests since March have seen people coming to the streets because of the hardships they're facing. Now, I don't know how many are going to be pacified by the fact that there is a process underway to establish uh, some form of stability. I think people really need their day-to-day -day and immediate needs addressed. So it's a, it's a very fluid situation on the ground. So, Mr. Zamantan, what is so special about July the 13th? I mean, on over the weekend, on the 9th of July, we saw how the people crashed the barricades, went into the, uh, you know, so-called presidential palace, his house, uh, Mr. Gotabaya Rajapaksa's house. And what I couldn't believe is that people were playing the piano. I mean, to think that Sri Lankans in the middle of the crisis are playing the piano, I mean, that in itself is, is a measure of, of all these emotions, I'm sure, that are sort of swirling around the country. And but, swimming in the presidential pool. Swimming in the pool, eating in his kitchen, jumping on slide down his bed. Watching cricket, let's not forget that. Yeah, and you know, when uh, I, I mean, the videos that we saw, and people are saying that uh, this one woman who said, I've come here three times just to see what this palace or what this home was like. So, what do you make of this? This, you know, is it this? Uh, I mean, what kind of a life did the Rajapaksa lead? No, these. Uh, 
the presidential palace, as they call it now, is just the president's house. It used to be called the Queen's House. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, more than 200 years old. Uh, you know, it, it's like a, it's a symbol of uh, you know where the where the sovereign uh, uh, resided or whatever. But uh, uh, some presidents never used it. Uh, they never actually uh, lived in it. Even the, this president uh, did not live in it. Uh, I think only the last few months, perhaps uh, he used it as, as his residence as well. I don't think uh, it can be sort of described as a, uh, you know, exorbitantly lavish uh, sort of living or anything like that. It's more, uh, uh, it's a, like a symbolic of the of the uh, uh, the past, you know, the British uh, uh, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, so people are curious. Uh, it's like a museum, so they just want to go and see. But what's so special about July the 13th? Why did Gotabaya want to resign on this particular date? I don't know. He, uh, they are, a lot of these people are known to consult, um, uh, you know, uh, various astrologers and uh, decide on dates and times and all that. They sort of uh, follow this kind of thing. So I'm not sure whether this lady called Jnana Akka, who's uh, supposedly his advisor uh, on uh, many matters, uh, advised him on the date. Uh, but she obviously has got it wrong because he had trouble leaving the country. But Bhavani, isn't that quite incredible that, that Sri Lankan politicians, well, very much like Indian politicians, may I add, uh, so, um, you know, follow the uh, astrology charts and astrologers so closely, so intimately. So is, are you, are you serious? Is, is this serious that this lady advised him when to quit and what to do next? Very, very serious. And that's the unfortunate thing is that uh, political leaders, not just, the president, but a whole host of political leaders are, I think, much more influenced by astrologers than actual situation on the ground or the constitutional framework. And that's, that's been the reality in Sri Lanka um, for some time. I mean, if you look at his elder brother, Mahinda Rajapaksa, also relied on astrologers in terms of even calling the election. And that was a disaster for him where he lost. So they, they don't seem to be learning any lessons, but continue to go to these astrologers who have a huge influence. And in, in a sense, they're actually defining the direction the country is also taking. And one of the things that we read here is that perhaps the reason that he picked July the 13th is because it's the first full moon day or the uh, Poya day in uh, July. And that is perhaps uh, the first sermon that the Buddha gave after he attained nirvana uh, and the foundation of the sangha but be that as it may it's interesting that the rajapaksas are so have you know aligned their whole political life so closely to the uh, to the followings of the buddha i mean i'm not sure whether the buddha would have approved of their actions that are taking place right now but be that as it may mr samantha can i ask you what happens now when i i mean i keep asking this question but where is mahinda rajapaksa is he still in the country where is basil rajapaksa he uh, we saw again reports that he was trying to escape but the sri lankan immigration officials uh, did not let him uh, out of the of the airport yeah, the news that we have is that Basit Rajapaksa has now managed to leave uh, and that he... Uh, well, he's managed to leave, is it? Yeah, that's 
I mean, we don't know the truth uh, of this, but uh, apparently he uh, was in a flight bound uh, for Bombay. You can check that out in Bombay. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, perhaps uh, to be transit in Bombay. Uh, he has a valid uh, U.S. passport. Um, and, and so he can travel to the U.S. Uh, and Gautabai uh, Rajabaksa, of course, uh, you know, gave up his uh, U.S. citizenship and uh, wasn't able to even uh, obtain a visa. Uh, so he has to look for some other place to uh, take shelter in. Uh, Mahinda Rajapaksa continues to live in uh, Colombo, um, and everyone knows where he is. Um, so there doesn't seem to be any problem with that. Uh, Mahinda, he's, he's not in a base. Welcome back, and uh, that was a discussion on uh, the current political situation in uh, Sri Lanka, and um, we have been covering that uh, through uh, the Pan African Newswire. And uh, we're going to be winding down our program for today. We'd like to have access to today's uh, Pan-African Journal, special worldwide uh, radio broadcast. All you need to do is go to our website at the Pan-African Radio Network. That's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Pan-African Journal. Programs can be shared with other potential listeners uh, through emails, blogs, and websites, and also social media networks such as Facebook and Twitter. If you want to read the Pan-African Newswire, uh, just go to our website at panafricannews.blogspot.com. We're going to close out uh, with the music of uh, the legendary uh, jazz pianist Wes Montgomery, and this is from 1965, from the album entitled Straight No Chaser. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank mm-hmm. you. 